0: So remember, uh, those of you who are old enough, uh, you remember the movie uh, Castaway. Uh, if you're a kid and uh, you, you may not know it, you probably don't. Although it's on TV a lot, uh, it's kind of an interesting movie with Tom Hanks. It's kind of like a uh, like a modern day like Robinson Crusoe story. Tom Hanks plays this uh, guy who works for FedEx, kind of a hot shot. He's got this important job. He's like a troubleshooter. So the company calls him from all over the world to kind of put out fires or whatever problems the company's dealing with. He comes in and he kind of resolves them. Um, so as a result, he travels a lot, he's on the move a lot. He's uh, on this plane, he's heading to uh, Malaysia, and they hit, the, hit this wild storm. The plane crashes into the South Pacific. He's the only one who survives. He spends four years on this uninhabited island totally alone. Right before he uh, gets on the plane, when he's at the airport, uh, his girlfriend, Helen Hunt plays his girlfriend, she's dropping him at the airport and it's Christmas, so they give each other Christmas presents. She gives him um, her grandfather's watch, It was like a pocket watch, so you kind of open it up and top half is the clock or the watch and then and, uh, the bottom half is for a picture. So she puts a picture of herself uh, in this watch. Anyway, the plane crashes and uh, really most of the movie is Tom Hanks, just these attempts to survive and be rescued and escape. It's interesting because he's, I don't know, three, at least three quarters of the movie is just him so there's not a whole lot of dialogue, it's really just him on this island. Um, in the days after the crash, these packages, FedEx pack- packages which were on the plane, start washing up on shore. So he starts opening them, thinking, hey, there may be something inside that'll help him survive or maybe even get off the island. Remember the uh, the volleyball? Uh, Wilson, that whole little story. But at any rate, he's got all these little uh, packages that he opens up. All but one. There's one package that he he doesn't open for the four years. He holds on to it, but he won't open this package. Um, on the outside of it, right by the label, there are these uh, kind of like angel's wings. I guess the person who sent it put these angel wings on the package. And he, uh, anyway, throughout the movie, kind of in his darkest days, his most desperate, sort of discouraging moments, these wings seem to do something for him. He'll look at, he'll look at the package. He'll look at these wings and. They seem to pull him out of despair. And the watch, he holds on to that too. And uh, his love for his, his girlfriend, it's sort of like, I have to get back to her, I, I can't quit, I, can't, I won't quit. And there's a couple of times when he tries to quit, uh, he kind of almost gives in to despair, but there's just something keeping him going. I think what he does with those wings and with that watch, I think we all should do that. Sort of our own version of the wings and the watch. We probably do. We probably do it whether we know it or not. Certain symbols, realities in our lives which just tell us not to quit when we're thinking about it. When we get discouraged and overwhelmed and sad and depressed. Somebody you love whose addiction is strangling the family. It's crushing this family. And you begin to just have feelings toward this person that you kind of can't believe it. There's a party that wants to quit on this person until you look at a picture of them on your dresser in your room when they were a little kid. And then your, cha- your attitude changes. You know, your, your aging mom or dad or spouse, whose confusion and forgetfulness is becoming at times maddening. You are starting to lose your mind because they've kind of lost theirs. And you start to have very discouraged, almost despairing, quitting thoughts until you look at your wedding picture. You know, you're a senior in high school or you're a sophomore in college and you've got a set of values that you were raised with and you know they're right, you know they're true, you know they're the the principles that just lead to a great life. But everywhere you look, people have sort of compromised them, they've sold out, they have quit. And on dark days, when you begin to think you're the last person on the planet who thinks certain ways about right and wrong, you're tempted to bail. You know, and then you you look at a picture of a couple of friends from home who haven't sold out. And you're reminded like, "I'm, I'm not, I can't. Or even if I have, I gotta go back and I gotta kinda retrieve the person I once was. You know, I think when you're going through things in life that are tough and painful and even brutal some trial which is so tough it could almost tempt you to despair and then that watch or those wings they pull us back off the ledge I wonder is that really what this gospel is about? It's called the Transfiguration. It's kind of an important gospel. It's uh, kind of this almost supernatural story. Is it maybe... was there some... maybe just a practical reality to it? Jesus says to... three of the twelve, these were the three who were probably was closest to, they were like the inner circle, Peter, James, and John. He says, guys, come with me. And they go on a little hike and they climb this mountain. And then it's like, they can't believe what happens. Jesus becomes, well, the word is transfigured. They realize in this crazy moment that he is not just a really cool guy. He's not just an awesome prophet or a great philosopher. He's all of those things, but he is way more. He's God. And this is kind of just made very explicit in these totally like supernatural ways. I wonder was the reason for this little road trip so that when things got bad for those three, and it was gonna, they'd be able to look back. It was like the watch. It's like the wings. This memory of what happened on that mountain. You know, Peter, James, and John. Peter was murdered, James was murdered, the first of them, and John was exiled. So he spent the rest of his life essentially in prison on an island. So it didn't end well for these three guys, these three guys who committed their lives to Jesus. There had to be moments when they second-guessed it, when they said, you know is this worth it? They're telling us to just stop talking about him. If we stop talking about him, life will be easier. They won't come after us. They saw what the crucifixion looked like. The prospect of that for them must have scared the life out of them. There had to be moments when they were like, alright, I'm just, I'm done with this. I'm bailing. I don't know, maybe it came down to this. And then they had this memory of that moment on the mountain, and they were like, no. He is the one. This is the way to be. And I'm not gonna bail. I'm not gonna quit. Same thing for us. For them, it was this transfiguration on this mountain. For Tom Hanks, it's the, it's the watch and the wings. What's it for you? What's your watch? Who are the people on the picture on your watch? What do your wings look like? So maybe it's just very practical. This very supernatural event had a very practical meaning. When 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 it gets tough, they'll pull out this memory card and it'll get them through. This is why I do this. This is why I committed to this. This is the truth. This is who I am. And I won't bail. You know, it's kind of strange to me anyway, kind of puzzling about this story. It's something that Jesus says at the end of it. And in fact, he does this a couple of times in some of the other Gospels. Something crazy has just happened, like the Transfiguration. Like some wacky miracle that he's just performed. And then he says, oh, by the way, don't tell anybody about this. Don't tell anybody about this. Isn't that what, like, superheroes used to do? Somehow I have this memory of the superheroes. Like, they do this stuff, and they'd be like, they always wanted their identity kind of kept quiet. It's almost like the superhero moment. Why did he not want the apostles running back and telling everybody about what happened? As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus said to them, don't tell the vision to anyone until I've been raised from the dead. How do you keep that to yourself, what these guys just experienced? Maybe for this reason. Because a cool story isn't enough. It's cool, it helps, but it's not enough. Even a cool, wild, supernatural story, like the transfiguration, it just won't be enough. Because I think, like religious encounters, spiritual moments, God moments, they have to be experienced firsthand. It can't be hearsay. Hearsay helps. When somebody tells me an incredible story, faith, God moment experience, I love hearing it. And it confirms what I believe in and what I've committed myself to. So I'm grateful for it, but it's not enough. We're not gonna know who God is because of somebody else's experience of God. And don't get me wrong, we need to hear and witness the faith of other people. You know, it's a really scary prospect, reality it seems to me today. The number of kids who grow up in families where they never witness the faith of their parents. Some of it's practical, they they never go to church. You never hear them talk about faith. They never pray. I mean, they don't walk around saying there is no God, but they kind of act like there's no God because they never talk about God. And the kids who grow up in that family, can you expect them to struggle, not struggle with faith? Because they haven't witnessed it. So I'm not diminishing the uh, the cool story factor. People's own personal encounters with God. We totally need to hear them, but they're not enough. So I think if these three guys ran down the mountain, Peter, Peter James, and John, and started telling everybody about what happened on the mountain, it would help. But there's no way that was going to get any any of the people who, wit, uh, who heard them to just run, run, run off and become followers of Jesus. We've got to have our own transfiguration moments. We've got to have our own kind of like mountaintop experiences. I think in order for this to click, in order for this to really make sense, you can't really have legit faith just because of the faith of somebody else. And again, I'm not diminishing that, it's just not enough. Great stories aren't enough. You know, when I was a kid, this would have been in the uh, like the early 80s, I was in high school, um, there was this retreat ministry. It was very big in, in, the, in the diocese. It was called, it was five kids, high school juniors. It was called Christian Awakening. It was very popular for a bunch of years, very successful. They would offer them a couple of times a year in different parts of the island. They'd have guys' weekends, girls' weekends for high school juniors. So you'd go, well, if you, if you went, you'd go and you'd go to this wherever it was and, you know, uh, you were up with this other group of 40 or 50 kids. It was kind of a big deal. I remember we we took off from school on Friday, so it was Thursday night, Friday, Saturday night, and we were there until Sunday evening, so it was like three full days. My two older brothers went on this retreat when they were in high school. Now I'm a junior. One night I'm at home, the phone rings, my mom picks it up, and then she calls me over, and she, she says, Brian, it's for you. So I'm like, who is it? As I'm walking to the phone, she goes, uh, Sister Florence. Sister? I was like, Sister Florence? Sister Florence was a nun in my parish. And I'm like, what the heck is Sister Florence calling me? I didn't know her at all. So I'm like, what? So I get on the phone, and she's like, hi, Brian. And I'm like, hi, sister. And and then she says, so we all set for, um, I don't know, like a... Uh, three weeks from Thursday. And I'm like, what? Like, I'm not sure what you're talking about. She says, Christian Awakening. Like, you're, I saw your name on the list and I'm just kind of confirming everybody. And I'm like, totally in the dark. I'm like, yeah, sister, I don't know. No, no I, didn't, I didn't sign up for it. I'm not going on the retreat. She said, no, your brother Kevin signed you up. I wanted to kill my brother. I remember talking to him afterwards when I got off the phone, I was sort of like with Sister Florence, I'm like, uh, uh, okay, I, okay, and I just, that was that. I said to my brother, I said, are you kidding? Like, why didn't you tell me? He was like, I, I didn't tell you because if I did, you wouldn't have gone. There was no way you were going to go on this. And you know what? He was totally right. Because you kind of go alone, I wasn't, there was nobody I would be going with, so I'd be going with a bunch of strange kids I didn't even know. And I knew me back then. That just was not something I would have been looking to do. And he knew me. So I went. And I loved it. Like, not to get overly dramatic here, but it kind of was a a little bit of a a life-changing couple of days for me. Um, And I was always a church kid. I mean, I I was a pretty good kid growing up. And and in fact, I I always thought about being a priest. You know, almost from... Like, really, grade school. But by the time I was a junior in high school, I was thinking less about it. It had kind of become dormant a little bit. And then I went on this retreat. I met this priest, his father, Dan Hurley, a great priest of the diocese. He was awesome. I went to confession to him. And the whole priesthood thing came back. because of this retreat, because of this weekend. Like my brother created a moment. My brother created an occasion for God to speak to my heart through this retreat, through that priest. I mean, Jesus climbed this crazy mountain, Mount Tabor. I went to Brentwood. <laughs> like it wasn't nearly as dramatic. Jesus' experience was like like a science fiction movie. Mine wasn't. But it was enough. It was enough for God to kinda recharge my heart, I guess. And if my brother hadn't done that, I don't know. Maybe things would have been different. Maybe we wouldn't be here on the beach today. I, mean, I don't know. You know how things work. Maybe I would have continued to drift away from the prospect of priesthood. Maybe it would have remained even more dormant. But that kind of became one of my, like, transfiguration moments. And again, not really objectively dramatic, but enough for me. You know, that movie, Castaway, uh, you know, he gets rescued at the end. After four years on the island, Tom Hanks. But... um, Everybody thinks he was dead. Understandably, his family declared him dead. So his girlfriend, Helen Hunt, she, she meets another guy and she gets married. So he comes back and he's like, he's been rescued but he feels almost more lost now than he was when he was on the island. He's crushed. That one package with the wings, he still had it. In the final scene of the movie, he's, uh, he never opened it, so the address is still on it, and he delivers it. And he brings it to this house, rings the bell and nobody's there, so he leaves it at the door and he writes a note and he says, this package saved my life. And up until that moment, I was like, I was hating the, end of the ending of this movie. I was like, come on, like, the movie was fiction. It wasn't a true story. Like, why did she have to get married? Like, couldn't it, couldn't it, they just had it couldn't have been this great, happy ending? But it's not always a happy ending, right? Like we want them, but we know they don't always happen. Maybe it's what makes it a, a better movie and a better story. Because it's kind of not a happy ending. And he gets in his car and he's now driving, he doesn't even know where he's going. Because the love of his life is gone. And he comes to this literal crossroads. And he's like, just like he doesn't know where to go. And this pickup comes by, and it's this woman in the pickup, and he asks her for directions, and she kind of gives him sort of directions. And then she's pulling away, and he looks at the back of the pickup, and on the back of the pickup there's two angel wings. And he looks at them, and he kind of puts his head down and he smiles And the movie ends with hope. It's gotta end with hope. Doesn't always have to end happy, but there's gotta be hope. We want happy, we need hope. So what are your wings?